The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had the Giants not making the playoffs. Right. I shouldn't have done that to you because knowing the season that the Giants were about to have, you didn't need that. You didn't need that at the beginning of the year. And so that's myself, Scott, oh, myself, good. putting you in a bad mood before you needed to be put in a bad mood. Oh, man. Well, if I'm not in a bad mood today, I'll never be because the Giants suck with a capital S. That's right. We're here. It's Sunday. It's week 10. It's almost all in the books. We got Raiders Jets still going on. We know we got Monday Night Football, but it is I, Chris Sims. And Ahmed Farid, the man, the myth, the legend. We are here on a Sunday night to give you all the NFL Week 10 news. It is I. I don't know where I came up with that. So I just heard a stat. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not. Right. But going into this week, the NFL had like the largest margin of victory that it has had that in a long, long time. time right. right? Is, right. Did I, did, I that think I made heard up that. Stat? Yeah, that it was up there for sure. Right. All right. I'm and then say this week. True. This week, corrected some of that. Yes, corrected tight games. We what? needed it. First time in what? I don't know, ever that there was five game-winning field goals as time expir- expired? I think we have a tweet on that. Right? This so is that's, all happening. That's we're getting into this way too fast. Pretty amazing. There were five game-winning field goals as time expired in the fourth quarter today. Right. The most in a single day in NFL history. Yeah, and incredible. I mean, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Those 1 o'clock games, you know, it was some unexpected finishes. It became crazy down the stretch. And, of course, we had a few at the 4 o'clock games as well. I mean, it was, a, it was a good day. I don't know if we had any of those huge, unbelievable marquee matchups, right? We had some mm. good matchups, but we had a lot of good football games. You know, we're starting to get a better feel for some of these teams. And, you know, the NFL is still crazy, too, in Week 10. And it was, a, it was. It was fun, and we'll unpack it right now. How are you feeling, though? You I'm feeling good. good and ready I'm, to yeah, go? Yeah, I'm uh, like, I'm like hit I've that. noticed something that the crew seems a little like we're in midseason right now, yeah. and this is when the doldrums can hit you a I don't it's the doldrums it's just like i'm trying to like pick i'm is in the i'm just getting like re-energized i kind of got like done with halftime show for Sunday night football and then kind of like okay slowly get dressed right and you kind of get relaxed for a minute yeah and then all of a sudden you yawn you're like okay i better wake my ass up and get going crazy again here so i took some smelling salts oh you you actually did that and i just i started i got the trainer to smack me in the face a few (laughs) times and now i'm ready to go and ready to talk ball man uh i saw you on football night great job once again thank you but at this point you and you and cj stroud need to get a room seriously right it's like okay i mean a little you're coming on a little strong (laughs) i know i i honestly this they the, the the Texans highlights at one point today. I was like, 
I think I've done Stroud like five weeks in a row. I was like, you should probably give them to somebody else, right? <laughs> yeah. So Devin got to hit on it at the start of the show instead of me once again going, CJ Stroud. But I think everybody's seeing what we've been talking about for the last six or seven weeks here, right? Now you're seeing wins. The stats are ba- you know, backing it up. Uh, but you know, we, we've been here for four or five weeks at least of hearing me go, it's just unbelievable what we're seeing. And of course the, the lure of CJ Stroud even grows more today. Let's start with that one. Yeah, so we okay. got the buzzer beaters it. here. We got a bunch of games. Let's start with that one. Texans defeat the Bengals a little audible. We're going to do that second, but this is how like in the moment we are right now. Yeah. Well, Pete I, back there, Gabby Morgan. And you're a QB. You're the QB We're of this show. It. It's, sometimes you got to call audible. an audible. You got to check, kill, check, kill, check, kill, can, kill. Can, kill, kill. Right. But then I heard today. You know what I heard today? What did you hear today? Reload. Reload. Does that mean don't? So you, we killed it. Reload it. Just do that other play again. Exactly right. Okay. Very well. You're right. So sometimes you know you get a look. You get the look on defense. You go can, can, or kill, kill. Yeah. Means kill the first play. But then, like, the defense is kind of disguising, and they go back to what you originally thought they might do. Yeah. And then you got to go reload, and everybody knows, okay, that goes back to the original play. That's, Look I at could, you listening, I though. could be an NFL quarterback. Damn, you could be. Only if they didn't ask you to throw or take a hit. Yeah. You'd, be the, you'd be one. Yeah, yeah, I would be a broken in two. Uh, Texans defeat the Bengals. What a game. 30-27. to 27. I was just at Ohio State, too. Yeah. And Ryan Day was there. And, of course, C.J. Stroud was, was lighting it up at Ohio State, but not lighting it up to this extent. And and Todd Blackledge asked Ryan Day. He goes, "Hey, are you surprised at all? What you're seeing from CJ?" Yeah. And he goes, "No, not surprised. He's you know been you know quieting doubters for a long time. But I do wonder if a part of like Ryan Day and they made it far last year and they were a kick away from making it to the national championship game. But part of you is just like, man, he didn't look like th- he looked good. He didn't look like this his entire." college career no no he did not and I think we saw glimpses of it I think if you unpack it like I we did during you know the draft process and you start to look at it you start to go damn there are a lot of good throws right you know it's a lot of nice plays in the pocket he puts the ball where he wants to all the time and that continued today I mean it did and they overcame first off they got out to a 20 to 10 lead or 20 to 7 I should say and it really probably should have been worse than that. Uh, that that's where the game and this is their resiliency is amazing. You know, they get down there far on one drive, he fumbles a fourth and one snap, okay? Mm-hmm. They got down there in field goal territory another time he got strip sacked by Logan Wilson, right? So they left some points on the board. It was one of those games at one point in the second quarter where you went, "Damn, they're going to go win at 10-7" and it feels at halftime and you go, it felt like they totally outplayed Cincinnati and it kind of gave you the feeling of oh well in the second half Cincinnati's gonna wake up and watch out but it was just the opposite since you know Texans came out and really kind of put the pressure on Cincinnati for there Cincinnati had to start opening up the offense taking some chances there Joe Burrow and company made a lot of big plays definitely made some mistakes that we don't usually see him make the interception in the end zone Tyler Boyd with the drop touchdown pass at the end of the football game still the shocking thing to me about the whole game is that yes 544 total yards of offense from the Texans on a Cincinnati Bengals defense that I think we all thought turned the corner and would be okay. And the Texans did whatever they wanted on them all day long. Pass game, run game, whatever they wanted. It was uh, very impressive by them on the road. Yeah, they're 5-4 and now are the Houston Texans. They trail the Jacksonville Jaguars by one game in the AFC South. And both of us in the preseason were saying, there are a lot of teams in the AFC that can make the playoffs. The one team that probably can't is Houston. And now I'm saying they probably can't. We're in trouble on that one. I might be on freezing cold takes for that one right there. <laughs> that that could be happening. Uh, yeah, be, you know, uh, hey, it's we make proclamations. That's what we do. I think we're seeing one. 
When you have a special quarterback, you have a coach who's ready to be a head coach and understands how to you know, uh, lead a football team. And then the other thing is you, you see what free agency and draft can do for a football team. And I think Nick Casario, I owe him an apology in saying that he's done, he did a little better in the draft than I thought, especially when it comes to players that fit in this scheme. Right, and that's whether we talk about Will Anderson, but Jonathan Greener, who we talked about, mm-hmm. they get Sheldon Rankins in free agency. He's the perfect guy in the middle of the Seattle type defense to create havoc. So they got a lot of things going, and then of course on the offensive side of the ball, they're trying to run the Forty Nine er Shanahan offense. Right, Bobby Slowick, they got a very good offensive line. We saw it even without Damian Pierce, they had Devin Singletary had a huge day today, and they know how to get people open down the field. And then Stroud, it's like he's on a zip line with his ball to the receivers, no matter where they are. Uh, I, again, I, I know I've said all the superlatives about Stroud, but it, yeah. it's just it's the throwing, it's decision making, it's the wowness of the throws, it's the location of the high difficulty throws, and then the nuance of like we've talked about. Oh, I'm getting blitzed. I know where my hot route is. Or I'm about to take a sack and I know where to throw it away so I don't get, you know, take a sack or get a grounding penalty. It's those things that are just above and beyond mature for for a rookie quarterback. Jason Garrett is uh, all over your analysis that C.J. Stroud might be the best rookie quarterback we have ever seen. He was like, I, at first, he, I, like, I laughed. I know, I think because he was he one of those me, Sims yeah. moments. Like, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, clearly Because that's true. what I do. I know I make comments that are a little <laughs> bold like that at times. Yeah. But I don't make them and just throw them out there. You know, I think I did it like, oh, sorry. Like I told you last week, uh, we were getting dressed for the show, and I was kind of going like, have I ever seen a CJ, anybody have a rookie play like C.J. Stroud? Yeah. Like I was talking to myself. So then I came out in the pod and said it. I'm pretty good with football history and got a pretty good feel for that stuff. I know that there's some discussion there to be had. But, damn, here in recent history, I don't remember anybody lighting up the, the, you know, the yardage, yeah. the scoreboard, anything like that. The Houston, really impressive. I mean, one, I was shocked they ran the ball that way on Cincinnati's defense. Two, I was shocked that they're – you know, they gave Burrow and company a lot of problems for a while. It wasn't until, what, maybe late third quarter where you started to feel like, oh, Cincinnati finally got in a rhythm here and it's starting to move the ball. Uh, but, but yeah, really good team win by the Houston Texans on the road. James Lennox, 19, says, damn, okay, C.J. Stroud. He outplays Joe Burrow and the Texans, move ahead of the Bengals in the playoff standings. Is C.J. a legit MVP candidate? Yeah. And are the Texans contenders? He, he, he is. I guess he is, you know? right? Yeah, he is. He's definitely... Like if anyone else was doing this... They would like if Joe Burrow was doing this, four hundred and seventy yeah. yards. No, no, I, I I hear you. I think with the stats, when you talk about the cast of weapons around him at receiver, I don't think any of us are sitting here going like, Oh my gosh, they're loaded. Look at all these guys, right? So I think when you take all that into account, how they're winning some of these football games, the comeback against the Bucks, the comeback against the Bengals, after he throws a pick six and you think, well, or almost a pick six, excuse me. Where you think, oh man, that that's going to be the end of this day, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, whooping the Steelers in Houston, right? You know, the things that'll go work against them. Yeah, early season, you know, lost two games. They had that dud in Carolina, right? But I think for him to be in the conversation, I think is more than fair. And what I said to you, I think last week, I certainly said at the Floria, like. This is this. He's gone beyond. This is a good rookie quarterback. This has gone like to, whoa! Is he one of the ten best quarterbacks in football already? And I think it's fair to say that. Despite all this, yeah. I think this is not a situation where it's a sky is falling game for the Cincinnati Bengals because you mentioned it. 
you know, they did have some trouble, but their first drive of the game it was like big play, touchdown. I was like, oh boy, this could be this yeah. could be their day. It's gonna be rocking there in Cincinnati, and they're gonna have a fun day. And then they go three and out on like four of their next five. It didn't seem like they did crazy. anything. Right. But then still, they made some plays at the end. Like you mentioned, the interception down to the five yard line. Yep. DJ the Turner bomb to J- Jamar Chase that, for a touchdown. Right? Offensive throw, plays, right? defensive plays with yep. DJ Turner uh, knocking, knocking one away. Ball, it was like get okay, the three and out, they're so getting they get the, the ball back. back. So right. it's like they were still there despite having their struggles. Yeah, I I um I am a little surprised like I said about the Bengals defense. Uh I am I I was a little surprised it took them so long to kind of get going on the offensive side of the ball. Burrow did move around. He avoided some sacks where he certainly was in trouble, you know, a few times, but uh yeah, I'm I'm not panicked about the Bengals. I guess I'm still just a little surprised their defense has had some of these moments so many times this year. All the big plays. I thought they had righted the ship in that department, right? A few weeks ago, we were on here talking about they were leading the NFL and their defense as far as letting up explosive plays. Yeah. Run game and pass game was kind of way up there, right? Where they went on this little win streak, and you felt like, okay, that's they're simmering that down a little bit. And today, it struck again. And you know, C.J. Stroud, his right arm, that offense, what they're doing there, and it honestly seemed like the Bengals had less, you know, feel for how D'Amico Ryan's runs that 49ers defense there in Houston as compared to when the Bengals played the 49ers a few weeks ago. Sure. You know, they still got Steve Wilkes maybe with the training wheels on and they picked that apart there. But D'Amico Ryan's, I'm sure, threw some, some curveballs with some of the things they did on that, that side of the ball. All right, I want to go on to the next game, yeah. but I have to do the yeah. I have to do this. One, One more thing. thing. It is time for Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. And this is going to take a look at C.J. Stroud one last time because he did something that we have not seen a whole lot of rookie quarterbacks do. Push the ball downfield in this victory against the Bengals. He averaged a career-high 11.9 air yards per attempt. He completed 11 of his 19 passes over 10 yards down the field yeah. for almost 300, 259 yards. That's insane. Five of seven on deep passes for 146 total yards. And so, I mean, that just reiterates the point that you have been making. These are the degree of difficulty throws for C.J. Stroud, amazing. This isn't shovel pass or, you know, some freak receiver coming around and I shovel it to you like right in front of you and I get passing yards even though you run for 60 yards or screens out in the edge. To, they don't have that. You know, that's, that's what we've been trying to wax poetically so much about this guy, right? You know, you've heard me. I've been making fun of it. It's not like it's dink and dunk and we're managing the guy. It's literally like, hey, we need you to throw flamethrowers and lasers all over the football field to some good receivers, not great receivers. And he just has continued to push the ball down the field with ease, be incredibly accurate, has great feel in the pocket, never takes stupid sacks. All of it is on the up and up, and yeah. he is, like, without a doubt, one of the best intermediate, like, 15-plus quarter, 15-plus yard passes down the field quarterbacks in all of football. I mean, I would put him up there with the elite of the elite in that category. When you say, like, ooh, you need a 25-yard completion, right? I know we all think about Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Justin Herbert. C.J. Stroud is up in that conversation for me now, without a doubt, right? He might have even surpassed Trevor Lawrence already here Dang. in that department. I know, and Trevor's a man. I know that. But I just can't get over you know, the accuracy he has on, on these aggressive throws. We, we might have to stop. They might have to issue a restraining <laughs> order. This is getting a little creepy at this point. That was Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS on C.J. Stroud. Uh, it's just amazing. No, no one in football has thrown for more uh, yards 
on throws of 10 or more yards through the, the air, field, right through the air yeah. than C.J. Stroud. Yeah, that's know? the thing. I know people have more yards per attempt than he does, but again, to me, that's all you've always heard me say. It's a little bit of a misleading stat. I think yards per completion is yeah. more. And then, you know, of course, you have to dive into that stuff because, yeah, I, you know, you can get a 10-yard completion for throwing a screen one yard behind the line of scrimmage. And they give you, oh, that was 10 yards on that yeah. attempt, right? And he's not getting that. And that's where context does matter when you when you dive into the Texans and C.J. Stroud. Chris could go on for hours and hours on C.J. Stroud. Stop, yeah, seriously, you're to... making me seem like a stalker. Stop talking about him. Move <laughs> know, on we, with this already. Had, <laughs> well, AWS wanted us to continue to talk about it, so we did that for them. Uh, Browns get a win, a comeback win over the Baltimore Ravens, 33-31. And this one, uh, Dustin Hopkins with a game-winning 40-yard field goal with zeros on the clock. This game, I thought this was Baltimore's game what? from the beginning. What? Right? It was right? just a dang. They're going to do it again. It's like all these teams go into Baltimore that we think are pretty good, and they just get blown out. They get run, and it looked like even late in the game, right? Cleveland had to score the final 16 points after trailing 31-17 in the fourth quarter, but they came back, chipped away, made enough plays, and Baltimore messed up just enough. Right. Big win for the Browns. I mean, Baltimore putting teams away is a little bit of a problem. I mean, it's the third, all three losses this year. I think they had the lead in the fourth quarter. Mm or blew a fourth-quarter lead. We saw it. It was an issue last year. Remember that? Remember last year they blew a big lead to Buffalo? They yes. blew a big lead to the Miami Dolphins, right? That's kind of been a thing, and it's hard to put your finger on it. I don't think it's the same team as last year or anything like that, so I don't want to draw comparisons. It's just odd that it's that way. Uh, like you said, complete domination of the game early on. What, I mean, to start the game, tip pass, interception, you know, you know, force a three and out or a punt from Cleveland and then Keaton Mitchell with the huge run, right? We've been talking about him. So you're just going, wow, they got it. And they've been on fire. Like you've said, the Cleveland Browns put a few drives together in the first half, but you felt like, oh, when they got down there, you didn't feel like they could really score a touchdown. You felt like it was so hard, such hard work to even get in field goal range. Right. And then to me, the turning point was this a little bit. It's 17-6 Ravens, okay? They're lining up to kick a field goal, and the, here come the fucking Browns and making plays, okay? And they block the field goal, and they go and get a field goal before the half themselves, and instead of it going halftime 20-6, to six, it ends up being 17-9, to nine, you know, and gives them a little life here to make it to a one-score game. So I thought, oh, okay. Now, the next drive, squash that, right? You know, you see, they throw the 40-yard slant to Odell Beckham Jr., and you go, oh, gosh, they're in trouble. But but that was about it for the Ravens' offense for the rest of the day right there, right? Yeah, I, because there was another play that I was like, this is it. It's yeah. over. It was the muff punt in oh, the fourth quarter definitely. by Cleveland. Prochet muffs the punt. Right. And then Baltimore kind of stalls out. Their offense is not good, but Cleveland just kept defensive holding, and there we go. It was nine seven plays, plays yeah, I think, to get to 12 yards. And that made it 31-17. I was like, now it's over. Right. Now it's over, right? And, and then they, they make some plays. Watson starts to hit some passes down the field, and Joku, Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper – you know, I Deshaun looked like he came alive and got more and more comfortable as this game went on. That was impressive. You know, but then yeah, thirty-one twenty-four tip pass. Newsom gets the interception, pick six, and it's like holy crap, we're you know in a one-point football game because they missed the extra point, and it just you know was was kind of amazing at that point. He, uh, Cleveland, 
I can't say enough about Cleveland. I, I think I've told you they give me 2015 Broncos vibes on the defensive side of the mm. ball, where they just make a – even if you score and make a few plays on them, they're going to score and make some plays on you too. Just like, again, today. It's Yeah, they let up 31 points, but they blocked a field goal. You know, They had two interceptions on Lamar, right? One was a pick six. Uh, I'm trying to think whether any anything else uh, – I guess that was it. There was only the two turnovers on the day, right? But, you know – they make plays on that side of the ball. And then if their offense could start making plays like we saw today, I know they're going to be able to run the ball. I know that. they got one of the best O-line coaches in football over the last 30 years. they got a really good O-line. Ford is a good running back, as we've seen. Kareem Hunt's a nice backup off of that. they got one of the best screen games in all of football. If they can just get Watson in the pass game going, not even to the – it's not like they got to be the greatest show on turf. Just, you know – top half of the league type of offense and Watson makes a few plays with his arm and his legs a few times a game, they're going to be extremely tough to beat. Because as the game went on, it felt like Baltimore couldn't move the ball on Cleveland. Yeah. It felt like they couldn't block them, and it felt like it was sitting there, it just felt like Cleveland's D-line was in the backfield every play. And it's like once they got a kind of a feel for how they were being attacked and the Ravens got you know some of their game plan plays out of the system and put them on the film and the tablet and all that, they kind of go, okay, this is what they're doing to us today, and kind of shut them down from that point on. Yeah. And that's what's really impressive about them, how they can just put the clamps on you like that. Brown's offensive run game opened up the pass game fourth quarter. Deshaun Watson was perfect, 7 of 7, 81 yards and a touchdown on the flip side. Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter, 1 of 5, 11 yeah. yards and through the interception. Right. Uh, Eric DePasta is concerned <laughs> because anytime the Ravens lost this season, they have completely beat themselves. The utilization of Keaton Mitchell today was sad. So he ended up with just three carries and 34 yards. I guess he caught one pass for 32 yeah, yards. Right, Explosive guy. Yeah, he's got a pass catch of 32 yards, a run of 39 yards, and that was about it feed them ball, Feed them the ball more. I mean, you know, I love Gus Edwards. He's a sledgehammer, right? But this is a guy that can go above and beyond a little bit. And like we talked about, I mean, go 60 yards to the house or, you know, get – Get look like he's going to get a you know a one yard gain and he breaks an ankle and cuts back and all of a sudden he gets a ten yard gain. Uh, I I would certainly start to feature him more and more in this offense. But I think the thing that's concerning with the Ravens here and we saw this a little last year just yeah the inability to maybe run the ball on Cleveland when they had the lead to chew up some clock and 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 kind of you know shorten the game that way and Cleveland. You know, it looked like kind of called their bluff, loaded the line of scrimmage, and they're tough that way because they got those corners on the outside where they can go and gamble and go, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll play one-on-one and put a bunch of guys in the box and blitz and just create chaos and see where it goes. And more times than not, they come out on top in those situations. They had 31 points. They needed three more, but silver lining, it's their fourth straight game with 30 or more points, just the second time in team history they have done that. So. It, it's, it's, and it's like we said, it's not with offense. It's a little of everything. It's the yes. defense setting yes. them up. The offense being a little opportunistic, right? Special teams here and there. Uh, but Kevin Stavansky doing a really good job managing that offense. I'll give him credit there. And, you know, we know, like we said, I think they'll be able to continue to run the ball just on anybody. If they can get Watson to kind of look like he did today, and you could be a little scared of Cooper and Joku and that crew there, uh, man, Cleveland's got the type of talent that you go, they could beat anybody in football. You thought that game had a whole lot of offense. How about in L.A.? Oh, baby. My Detroit Lions, they're different. 
this year. Not the same old Lions. They're not the same old These Lions. These are different Lions. 7-2 now. They get the last second field goal. Riley Patterson, 41-yarder with no time on the clock. 41-38 was the final score in this one. And as I was watching this game, yeah. I was like, man, Chris hates this game. He hates this <laughs> All game. All this fourth down, Every team going for fourth going down. So for the Lions it. went for it five times. I know. Got four of them. Yeah. The Chargers went for it three times. Got all three of them. And if those teams aren't aggressive in those situations, I do think the Lions lose. And I don't think the Chargers, if they're not aggressive in those situations, I think they lose by more than three points in I, this one. I don't know if I saw them all right. I did not. The early one that they missed, the Lions, I thought that was – it was like a long fourth and two or fourth and three. Yep. And they could have kicked a field goal. Yep. I, that was the one I know I was complaining about the most. It was early on in the football game. I'm just like, take the points. Yeah. Keep the pressure up. I think they could have gone up 13-3 to three in that moment. Maybe I, I could be off. In their defense, Maybe, yes. it was one of the few times that they held the Chargers because they were down there at the two-yard line. And they and made so them punt. They did make them and punt. And then they one had of, the short field. One of the, the two times they – no, one of – yeah, one of the two times they punted in the game <laughs> right. um, was that after that. I think that is the benefit that you get, right? Definitely. That, that is, is the what good Pete tells get. me seven times a week when I go kick the field goal <laughs> yeah. and that the other team stops them and then, and then they end up getting – you know, then they make the stop and they get the ball in field position. Pete turns around to me and goes, see, that, that's why teams do it. That, that's why they do it. That's see, because the Lions did it again. So they, <laughs> yeah. they failed on that fourth and right. short. And then the next time they got down there, they had fourth and short again. And they were like, are they just going to kick it this time? Because they're like, we got to get some points from some of these. Right. And Dan's like, no, we're going to go for it again. They did score the touchdown that time, kicked off. And so the Chargers had better field position, went right down the field, and scored a touchdown. <laughs> it so. was a lot of fun to watch this football it game. It was. I'm not always in love with 41-38 type of football games, but I had no problem with this. One, you know, I, I feel like there was a part of me that was a little expecting big plays in this football game. Um, I think let, let's start with the Lions offense, okay. right? Lions offense, you guys have everything. When your O-line's healthy, you're scary, right? And I think your O-line's as healthy as it's been since the start of week one. Sure. So you look at that, the two-headed monster running back. Gibbs is becoming special, like special. Montgomery's really good, don't get me wrong. But Gibbs has another gear that when you see him, you go, ooh, who's that guy with the ball, right? I mean, it, it shows on TV watching him. So to run for 200 yards and then also throw for 333 yards, when the Lions can run the ball at all, they're almost impossible to defend because of the play-action pass and everything we talk about there. And then you can't rush the passer that way. And Goff, who's not great when he's under pressure, he's got a clean pocket, and he just tears you apart, right? And they got so many creative ways to do it. Amon Ross St. Brown's damn good. Our man Laporta's kicking ass in the past game, right? They got all that working. So that's impressive. Uh, the Chargers, their offense, you know, impressive again. I wasn't shocked to see them move the ball. Did I think they were going to score 38 points on your Lions team? No, I did not. But the thing I worry about with your Lions here as we go forward, we knew the Chargers defense stinks. All right, We knew that. I worry about lack of maybe one more big-time playmaker. And you've heard me say the fact that they play zone so much. You know, With teams that have some good zone offenses and a quarterback that knows how to manipulate the zone coverages and has you know an arm like Justin Herbert that's what worries me about Detroit mm -hmm. that does right you know it's it's lack of ability to lock people down in man-to-man -man just a few times every drive that just changes it up or makes the quarterback make a throw or where you can blitz 
and go, okay, you know, zone blitz is different. Sometimes you blitz and you go, yeah, I hope it gets there, but it usually leaves a big void in the zone because you have one less guy covering. You've blitzed, right? So those are the issues there, and that's the one yeah. thing I worry about them, you know, going into the future. They've here. been searching for that. They've been searching for that difference maker. I Jeff know. Okuda, they hoped he was the uh, guy. Exactly right. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, they, they need him to get back and yes. get healthy. That'll certainly help out, right? But that is the one thing. When I look, you got a lot of good on your Lions defense, but there's still, to me, only one blue-chip star. And that's probably different than, you know, the rest of the really good teams in football, right? Mm-hmm. It's Aiden Hutchinson. He's the man. There's a lot of good around him. I don't know if there's enough great for me to think their defense is ever going to be great this year. Pete has supplied us with a perfect stat. Yeah. For the discussion that we're having right now, Keenan Allen, this is per next gen stats. So yeah. You know it's you know it's good. Right. Keenan Allen caught seven of his eight targets against zone coverage for 118 yards and two touchdowns en route to a team leading 11 receptions, 175 yards. We, we, the we broke this down a few weeks ago with the Lions, right? Yeah. I think when they beat the Bucks, we talked about they don't want to play man, they want to play zone. Remember, we kind of did our deep dive into their defense. Yep. And that's, that's what I worry about. Because we've talked about the Chargers. The Chargers have receivers that don't separate downfield, right? So if you have a team that can play man-to-man and dabble in that a little bit, like you saw with the Jets last week who were starting to play more man-to-man against the Chargers, they couldn't get open. Nobody can separate. But with this matchup, it fit them. You guys play zone. They understand where to sit. Keenan Allen's a great route runner. He knows how to manipulate the zone, find the holes, do all those type of things. So that's where it makes sense. That Chargers defense stinks. We know that. It's going to have to be Justin Herbert and the offense carrying the squad all year long. I don't think he can do that. I think they stay respectable here and are in the playoff mix but i don't think they're a playoff football team lions you guys are damn good you just that's the one thing that worries me when you play the cream of the crop offenses is your defense in that secondary a little bit for the chargers this is their fourth loss this season by three points or fewer that is the most in the nfl and i feel like they've been up there and led that category maybe perhaps the last five or six decade right it's been the lions (laughs) or the chargers i feel like they've both been kind of in these games where they always find a way to lose them yeah Uh, this time it was the chargers in this one seahawks and Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Commanders, a three-point game. Jason Myers 
congratulations. You're the game winner, the 43-yarder with no time on the clock. Seahawks getting the win here. Uh, it is their longest home winning streak. They've won four in a row now since 2020. They're starting to roll there, that home field advantage in yeah. Seattle. I like it when that place is, is rocking. Geno Smith maybe getting going a little bit late in the game. First game with two t- uh, touchdowns and no interceptions since week two. So I don't have a real great feel on this game, but yeah. um, I-, I guess it's one of those where both teams got rolling late and Seattle just did a little bit more. Defensive struggle, football game. Seattle, a little bit like we've talked about, moving the ball between the 30s, but as soon as they get in the red zone or anything like that, they can't make a play to get it to the one-yard line or get in the end zone, right? Seattle, you know my thoughts on Seattle. I love their talent. I don't think their O-line's great, and I don't love their scheme altogether. They're a little bit like you've heard me say about them. I think I even said it before we started the pod. It's just that... I don't know what they're trying to accomplish on the offensive side of the ball sometimes. It's just like, hey, we're in shotgun four plays in a row, and we throw it, and now it's the next drive, and we're underneath the center, and we're going to play smash mouth. And then I'm like, okay, that's cool, but now where are we going to tie it all together here? What, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we actually trying to expose or set up for later in the football game? And I never have a feel for that with Seattle. I think that's what bothers me about it. I've been trying to put my finger on it for the last few weeks, and I think that's what it is. But – as we've talked about, they have some big-time playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. You know, and Geno had some time to throw the ball as the game went on, and, yeah, they started to dice them up in the past game you know, in the late third, fourth quarter. Uh, we were sitting there at a 12-9 field goal fest halfway through the third quarter, right? Then it becomes uh, the short pass to, to Kenneth Walker. He breaks it down the sidelines for a 64-yard touchdown pass to make it 16-12, and then the, the game kind of opened up. Right, and that's where it went from there. And Sam Howell and that offense—they made some big plays in As the past they game. Do every week, they're it fun seems to like. watch. Right, they—they're certainly not shy. They're going to go for it. They are. Uh, defense is not great. They can't run the ball that great against anybody. And um, and what was I going to say? And they don't protect as good as you would like to. So those are their issues. Valiant effort by them. I do want to give them a lot of credit for their effort on the road after trading away all these guys. They're still fighting. But, uh, yeah, Seattle just outdueled them, has more playmakers than they do right now. Uh, Kenneth Walker is such an enigma to me. I know. Because it seems like he is such a big play threat. Yeah. But then in the run game, you look at him, it's 3.3 yards per carry. just didn't really rip off one. I think he had one run of 13 yards. Um, but then he has that huge play in the pass game. It's just like it seems like he would do that more consistently. But I, I guess it's just a whole offensive flow. I think that's really them. what it is. I, you know, I don't think they're you know, a consistent, good running football team. You know, I don't ever look at it like I, I could certainly maybe question his vision a little. His ability is top notch. Yeah. It is. You know, I think what's weird at times is he comes out of the game. He can be a little bit of a look for the home run, right? Sometimes where you just go, hey, the hole was there. Run through it a million miles per hour and get eight yards instead of like getting up there and going, ooh, if I bounce this here, I could get around the edge for 40, right? And it's just like, oh, now you got one, and we should have got more. There's a little of that, and that's where Charbonnet is a nice effect because Charbonnet just comes downhill. He's a straight liner that way, mm-hmm. right? I also think when Charbonnet gets in the game, defenses are usually a little less scared because Walker is the kind of guy, when I talk to other teams, they're always, like, ooh, you know, Walker, he, he can score from anywhere. He's one of those guys that they got, got to be worried about in that department a little bit. So I feel like the defense's, you know, foot comes off the gas pedal. Uh, but nice game by Sam Howell. Hopefully this game gets Geno Smith and the Seahawks back on track. And even, you know, 
Their defense. Seattle, I almost feel the same way their offense and their defense. Just not quite, to me, performing to the actual players and ability they have on the field quite yet. We'll see. Maybe that's that's the best is yet to come from them. Boye Mafe did get his seventh straight game hey. with the sacks yeah. and the franchise record. Yeah. Boye's, I mean, they got a lot. Uh, they're another team, a lot of good. They got blue chippers in the secondary. Who are the blue chippers in the front seven that are going to start to take over for them? I think that's the thing I want to see, right? A lot of good there, uh, but they kind of do it by platooning in different guys, fresh bodies, scheme, uh, not necessarily guys that take over just with single individual efforts uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Six and three right now. Good yep. season. Good start to the season no for the doubt. Seattle Seahawks, uh, all told. One more buzzer beater. The Arizona Cardinals beat the Falcons 25-23. Matt Prater, your old teammate. Yeah. 23-yard field goal. He, that, that's nothing for him. Oh, he's nothing. Like, get a he's 60, 61, 62, 100%. 63. I think he's hit a 64 in his career, right? He, he was the, almost insulted by this. He was like, you're really going to trot me out there for a 20? I don't do 23-yard field goals. All right, fine. It's a game winner. I'll do it. Uh, Kyler Murray is back. And I think we should start with the dots. Yeah. Pete, do we have the dots? If you're you watching want that play, Peacock or that YouTube, play, right? we got to do the dots play. So uh, this one is the 13-yard scramble where he goes back. This is what, third and ten? Third and ten. End of the game, under the two-minute mark, need this play. He goes back to the 20-yard line and then goes forward. He has to run 20 yards just to get back to the line of scrimmage and then goes another 13 for the first down. Incredible. I, I can't say enough about Kyler Murray and the way he looked today during the game. To come and play football, First off, run the way he ran. He looked, you know, I'm not going to say he looked as fast as he did before the ACL, but still was like, okay, he's still one of the fastest quarterbacks in football. That's for sure, right? You know, shifty, th- controlled the ball. I couldn't, you know, I thought really for the most part of the day, he put the ball where he wanted to. It looked like it was nice spirals. He was spinning it, you know, all of that. Had a big drop at one point on a third down where they ended up having to punt the ball or maybe kick a long field goal if I can't remember it correctly. But, yeah, to come in and just be that way, you know, I, I, he's going to put pressure on them there. What are they going to do? You know, they can run the ball a little bit. They're creative. Their personnel fits him as a quarterback. It does, you know. You know, they've been able to run the ball all year long, and now you've got the ability to run him, too, off of that. It's only going to make ho- the holes bigger for James Conner, let alone Rondell Moore and Hollywood Brown. They seem like jitterbug receivers, wide open fields, spread the ball, Kyler Murray style. It seems like it fits them. And they got a fucking tight end in this, Trey McBride, who is really starting to pop as of late on a week-to-week basis, and he had a huge day today and none bigger than that big catch at the end that set up the uh, game-winning field goal. Yeah, 33-yarder at the end. Yeah, he ended up with eight catches and 131 yards, so certainly a connection there. You're right, uh, Kyler Murray. And by the way, on that play, he ran 68 yards. That's crazy. On that 13-yard scramble. He reached a top speed of over 20 miles an hour. Wow. That's his fastest since 2021. Wow. So he was booking it out there. And uh, they have a little nugget here. The win probability added after that play was 22%. So the Cardinals had a 22% chance, a better chance of winning after, after that one play. That first which I would, I would venture a guess when he was back at the 20, right. if you could do in play oh, win probability. Yeah, yeah. he's down like, to like 0.5%. <laughs> exactly. They're going to exactly. lose this game. It's um, almost a lock. He is so fun to watch. Yeah, he and, is. And, and uh, like I kind of forgot a little bit. Right? You forget. Yeah, right. You're just like, okay, yeah, he's good. He's a mobile quarterback. You know, he makes some mistakes with the yeah, arm. He tries gifts, to do too much. Right? He is a one-of-one one quarterback. He's special gifts. That's why I just I don't think it's as easy as just being like, oh, he's small, so we're going to get another quarterback in here. We're going to draft somebody else. 
right? I just don't think it's going to be that easy. And I think that's why they got to they got to play him and see what he can offer here and see what he's capable of and see if they okay, do we believe in him and that we can build this thing the way we want to build it around him? And yeah, I'm going to be interested to see where it goes. I, I, you know, like I said, we've said it all year with Dobbs and that we kept going. Hey, they're very creative in offense. They do a lot of good things. Dobbs would miss a few throws every game, and you'd go, "Oh man, if he just hit this or that, or could just make one play, they might have won." You know, a few more of those games. Uh, and I know we'll get to Dobbs in a minute, but yeah, Murray's got special, special instincts and knows how to play, and, and it's just got big time skills. Yeah. Now the other side of the ball, the Falcons, yeah. Yeah. right? I mean, we're we're having the same conversation here, you know. I don't give a shit what it is. It's 2023, right? To come away against you played the Cardinals. It's you know a defense that's better than its ranking, but nothing special. And to throw the ball for 70 fucking yards? Are you kidding me? In 2023 against the Cardinals, yeah. 70 yards. And neither of your quarterbacks are named Tommy DeVito. I mean, that's <laughs> the crazy thing about no. it. No, it's it's. You know, they ran the ball good. Bijan did look good. There's no doubt about that. So that was nice to see. But a little bit like we talk about with the Chargers, right? Who can get open one-on-one on the Falcons and make plays? So when you dra- when you scouted Drake London in college, you said he can't separate. He can't separate. 50-50 balls he's good at. Great at. He's great at that. He's he's a good route runner. If you want to throw him slants or little short intermediate passes, fine. That's what he's good at. But if you think you're going to line him up and you go, oh, he's got one-on-one and he's going to dust somebody and just be, see you later, I'm going to run for a bomb or see you later, I'm going to run for a 20-yard in cut and be wide open, that is not going to happen, right? And then Kyle Pitts the same way. Yeah, he's extremely talented for a tight end. But, you know, you got to be able to run the ball and then create some plays off of play action and stuff to where he's matched up against linebackers and safeties, not split out with a corner covering him or anything there. So, to me, that's one of their big problems is lack of firepower at wide receiver, and that's affected their quarterbacks on, you know, whether it's Heineke or Ritter. Nothing's been easy for them. I give him credit for battling, though. Yeah. And they battled, and, and Heineke got hurt, and then Ritter came in and made a couple of plays. He so did. I will give him some credit. They, yeah. they were in this game, right. and they ran the ball for almost 200 yards. Yep. So that kind of made right. – you just flip those numbers around and be like, hey, they almost threw for 200 yards passing <laughs> and ran for about 100. That's not bad. Um, just a different way of yeah, doing Ritter it. Yeah, Ritter did some good things, too. I do, you know, got a, threw a ball down the field, got a big P.I. call, you know, had the read option run for a touchdown at the end of the football game that gave him the lead. Uh, but yeah, there's just a there's not enough offense there in Atlanta. Not enough that scares you, other than wait their O line and their run game. And you know, even with that, like yeah, it was almost 200 yards rushing, but a good chunk of that is Ritter scramble and Heineke scramble too. To where you know, again, it's good, but I, I guess I'm just not as blown away by it as I thought I would be. Yep. All right, closes the book on all the buzzer beaters. That was crazy. Yeah, a lot of was. great games. It really is. It's I shocking. Like to, I don't know why. Like five buzzer beaters seems like a lot, but I would have thought we'd had a Sunday throughout history that would have had more than five buzzer beaters. But I mean, these were all with like zeros, zeros on the clock. On the clock. Is, I, I, that's so I rare. It's like yeah. usually it's like all right, you got to kick off or something like that. Nope, zero zero zero. Well done. All right, time to go into the the shop. The, uh, the printing press. <laughs> Give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. Let me find it in the rundown here. Hold on. I started scrolling prematurely. We're at it. 49ers beat the Jaguars 34-3. This was not a buzzer beater at any point. No. This was the 49ers saying, we are angry that we had a three-game losing streak. That's right. We never should have had that three-game That's losing right. streak. And we're going to take it out on the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's right. Your headline for this game is? The Young 
and they're rested. Oh, nice. oh I got it. You got it, Chase Young. Like they it. were rested off the bye week. You got it? Good, good, good. I just want to make sure everybody's up to speed. And that was us. all you, right? That it was, was not all... all me. I actually said the young and the restless. Yeah. And then the cackler came in and said, How about the young and the rested? <laughs> <laughs> and it all worked out. So it was a good so, team so effort P, by me and Pete. We give you the credit. And in the process, we make fun of well, you. Right. So that's, that's how cool. it works, it's right? Like, yeah, he, he, he passes on the credit. He, he goes, Keep up my name out of your mouth. <laughs> um, the 49ers, man, this is so I don't know. I don't know what they just this is the team that we we're like, what happened to this team? Well, here they were here. They were. I just, you know, Shanahan, first off, smart. Right. They're going to go back to the lab in a week off and reevaluate what they need to do, what needs to be tweaked, what needs to be changed, whatever. He's going to get Steve Wilkes on his frame of mind thinking situations. And then the big thing, I think, is the health, right? The health was huge. McCaffrey totally 100% healthy. Debo back in the lineup. Trent Williams playing, right? You know, none of that. And then you add Chase Young. And, and, you know, there's some other guys that were banged up on the defensive side of the ball that just get to come back and be totally, totally, you know, 100% fresh, healthy, and crazy mofos like they are. Yeah, that, that's what jumped out to me. I think the big thing with the 49ers is, you know, one, well, oh, man, Zach Wilson just threw a pick. He had a great drive here. The Raiders are going to end up winning this one, 16-12. Made a lot of nice throws. Just threw a pick to Spillane. They're going to lose. Jets are going to lose. Mm. Um, okay. So, but going back to the 49ers there, all right, let me say the, some of the, the things on the offense. When Shanahan has the full cast of characters healthy, Kittle healthy, Ayuk, Debo, McCaffrey, he's almost unstoppable because like we talk about with some of the offenses that bother us that don't tie things together, that's where Shanahan's brilliant. It's like, hey, we got to toss to McCaffrey. Hey, we got to toss to McCaffrey. But it's also about setting something else up off of it. Oh, here's the fake toss to McCaffrey. There goes Debo on the reverse. Touchdown Debo, right? There's always something to it there. And he's so good at playing his stars off of each other. That's what I love about Shanahan more than anything. So he gets that going, right? A motivated group like you're talking about, O-line healthy, uh, Purdy, chip on his shoulder. You know, people telling me I'm Brady, and now they're telling me I should be benched, which was wrong. He played great. And then I think when you add on the defensive side of the stuff, here's to me where it jumped out right away. Matt Casey, producer of Football Night in America, he's sitting here behind us. When the game started, I went, hmm. Niners just came out with 5D linemen. They just came out in 5D linemen and said, the hell with our coverage. You're not going to have enough time to get anybody open down the field. We're going to smother you right here. And that's how this game's going to be. And to me, that was the big thing I looked at. We know those guys up front are awesome for them, right? But I felt like there was some different alignments, like you've heard me talk about with the 49ers up front just to give their guys a little schematical advantages. You know, just not to be like, hey, it's a 4-2, cover 4, and we're just lining up in it, hello. You know, there was plays where it was like, wait, three D linemen are over here, Fred Warner's over here with one D lineman, who's blitzing, who's coming, how are they going to do this? Oh, they're doing a stunt off it. I felt like they gave some different looks up front that stressed Jacksonville out in a big way and never let Jacksonville get into a rhythm. Yeah. And then they got behind, and then we always will be talking about it. 
once you get behind in the 49ers, good fucking luck with that crew and those pass rushers guys and all them teeing off on you. Yeah, I, I feel like this is let's let's put it in almost pen at this point. We have to look at the 49ers for Wednesday, don't you think so? Don't we? Like, yeah, with with Young in there, with that kind of part of your Young in the rest. Yeah, yeah. Like what? How does he change? Yeah, like what his and abilities I think we'll are. To see what Wilkes tweaked with on the so, defensive so side. What right? about Wilkson? I think we have a question from a homie here. B ball Daniel one damn okay Niners D. What adjustments did Steve Wilkes make that paid off for the Jags? Maybe yeah. some more film review will have to be done before you can give a definitive answer on yep. that. But I do know this. Yeah, he was in the booth. Then he went to the field. The, the, hey, so, there's something to that. Is there so, like what? Like Matt Canada, we'll talk about the Steelers yeah. here in a bit. He went booth to field, well, right? Do you spend the whole week calling defenses from the field on okay. the practice field, right? Yeah. You get trained to like I can see the field the right way, right? It's not perfect where you can see everything and every little alignment. But what you do to get on the field is, you know, leadership from guys get to get in their ear a little bit, encouragement or like what the hell are you doing, right? Or hey, and then. You know, I think it's getting a you get a little better of feel for the flow of the game in person, right? Where you could be up in the booth going, "Hey, our D lines, you know, we're playing okay," and then you get on the field and you go, "Oh, actually, we're kind of being pushed around." I, I guess I was giving our D line a little more credit than it should be. It does give you a different perspective that way, yeah. you know. Let alone to have the head, the the defensive coach. You know, all the defensive linemen sitting there. Oh, now he's coming over and checking you. And, hey, we want to do this. And let me show you this picture and all that. You know, he's the best coach on the defensive side of the ball. So now the message is coming straight from him, straight to the players. I think there is some beauty in that. I would think the flip side of it, too. Like, for the players, like, having him accessible to run things by or say, hey, man, this is not working. We need to do this, right? It kind of gives the players more of a voice. And it it feels like they have more accessibility. I I think there is that. And you're seeing it firsthand to go along with that instead of maybe relying on, other coaches to tell you oh they're they're doing this to us we need to over adjust and when you're on the field you know you might panic up in the box you go that sounds like we're a little panicked down there like we need to adjust to this let me adjust let me change this right where you're on the field you're like we're okay we're okay yeah they're pros too they made a play we don't have to totally reorganize the game plan here because they made one 20 yard completion right so i think that's all of that happens at at some points there but the one thing i wrote down uh, you know, and, and to answer our listeners, you know, question there is the 49ers D being more creative on the D line, right? It jumped out to me from the get go. And when the game was 10 to nothing, I wrote it again because I just saw some alignments where I went, they haven't done this or they haven't aligned like this all year long, whether it was the five man fronts or, you know, three guys to one side, a linebacker and another defense alignment to the left side. They just did some things there that I'm sure toyed with Jaguars rules. Right. And they didn't know how to protect it, how to block it in the run game. Oh, wait, this guy dropped out. What coverage are they doing? Uh, Trevor Lawrence never looked comfortable throughout the day. Totally harassed. Jacksonville, this will serve them well. I will. Mm. Because they're going to learn you know, a little bit like, oh, this is Super Bowl team intensity. We're still a young team. We've seen it here and there. You know, We've talked about that. But they got a feel today for a team that knows how to rev it up as bad as anybody in football. Yeah. And those are the type of teams you're going to play as you get in later in the season, whether it's the Chiefs on the road, the Ravens, whoever, right? Where you're going to go, no, no, our level of intensity, you know, detail, all that has to go up here if we're going to beat these type of football teams. Yeah, it was like Doug Peterson's like, what happened there? And then Trevor Lawrence is like, don't worry, we got it. Second half, like the Chargers game, like, no, the game's yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, this ain't the Chargers. This is the 49 The game is done. Yeah, right. you, don't, don't try to pull the Chargers on this one. Uh, Brock Purdy, three touchdowns, no interceptions. 
Uh, and that one pass to Kittle was awesome. Like he cl- double pumped, he brought it back, and then he had everyone in his face. And he didn't even follow through on that. No, he had kind of just it, it really it was perfect placement. You know, I, I love that call. Second and inches, you know, t- defenses always overplay it. You're going to get optimal, perfect passing looks. He wants to throw, I think it was the Ayuk over the middle. Okay. It wasn't there. So there he is, tries to recock it with somebody in his face and puts a ball right on the money to Kittle up the sideline and, and made things interesting. So, uh, yeah, big play by him. Purdy, big bounce back. 49ers, big bounce back. Cowboys get a big win over the Giants. We put this in the printing press, too, just so you can put it to bed. You're right. Write the headline, write the story, and then ship it out and don't think about it ever again uh, for you. Uh, 49 to 17 is the final score. Your headline for this game is? Ah, uh, gosh, I could be dirty. I could say so many things, but I'll say home sweet home because yeah. Dallas is damn good at home. They're a different team in that stadium, on the field turf. They're fast as hell, and it showed today. Longest home win streak. Since 1979 and 81, they've won 12 in a row now at home, dating back to last year. That's, it's, that's something. It, it is something. You know, they're a team that's, that's built for that surface, for sure. You know, they're, they're a speed team, not a size team like we talk about. And when you have that, the field turf is you know, definitely better than running on grass that way. I think it's the second week in a row we can look at it and go, you know, listen, I, we knew their defense was going to dominate. There's nothing to break down there. I mean, shit, I think you and me could have gone out there and played defense and we held the Giants to maybe, you know, 20 points. Definitely. You know, somewhere. They had to hide there. us and game plan around us a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But we could have figured it out. I mean, they had no chance. But I think run game, I mean, Cowboys, I know. 640 total yards to 172. What was Morgan saying? Morgan, Morgan was saying it was the largest disparity in, in yards. In yards and I don't know, Giants NFL. history. I don't know. <laughs> Probably something like that. Something it's up, like that, that was the stat. It was like it's gotta be. That yeah. was it. They, like they didn't know for sure, but they oh, since nineteen seventy nine. When the year dad was drafted. Yeah, right. that's when they start that's all stats. <laughs> <laughs> they go, When was Chris's dad drafted? Okay, seventy nine we'll start our stats there. Um but that yeah, that's insane. You just don't see that. Obviously the Giants are in shambles, they've had injuries, but that you just don't see that. No, it's a uh, disaster, right? The one thing I'll say with the Cowboys you know, I like the way uh, Dowdle looks at running back. Oh, yeah. Right? He runs hard. I think they might find something there. Him with a great little combination with Pollard. And then I think the other thing for the second week in a row, and I give Mike McCarthy a lot of credit, is he's breaking out of his mold of like we, the, the shortest passing team in football the first four or five weeks of the season. And here we are two weeks in a row where it's like, you know, screw the five-yard slant. We're going to look for the 50-yard post. We're going to look for the 30-yard crossing route. And I feel like it's opened up the field for them, right? And it, as we've talked about it before, and you've heard me say this a million times, you know, all these coaches that think, oh, I'm going to make it easier on the quarterback and throw the ball four and five yards, it's, it's not easier. It's easier to read the field and see the field when things are spread out and people are down the field and creating separation. And Dak Prescott is great at hanging in the pocket and pushing the ball down the field. He has statistically been one of the best down the field throwers of the football the last four or five, six years of his career. So that's where... You know, I I uh, I like to see that change from them, and I think it makes them a much more dangerous offense altogether. Uh, the Holy giant. crap! The, they the almost just a threw Hail a hail mary and almost caught it. I didn't think he'd be able to get it down there. He's, his arm's special, right? He was running to the left, almost out of bounds, and threw the ball sixty yards uh, and gave his guys a chance. But we'll Raiders, let this, we'll let this one decompress. Yeah, we'll yeah. get we'll get to that one here yep. in just a bit. So the Raiders get the win. 
uh, Robert Sala doing a bro hug. Robert Sala, by the way, the beard is is much darker. I it, think it's a much darker beard this week than it was last week. Yeah, I, it does seem a before. little darker than last week. I don't know if that grew in more if we're dying it. I don't think he would dye it. I don't know. Maybe he would. We'll yeah. see. I don't know. We'll ask him. I'm next sure. Time we see I'll him. ask him. Um, this is from uh, Across the Bedroom. Yeah. He says, damn, okay, my king, Dak Prescott, lighting it up on the field, throwing for 1,000-plus yards in the last three <laughs> games. Yeah. My question, if Dak keeps playing like this, does he enter your top 10 quarterbacks again? Big fan of the podcast. Keep it up. So oh, I just checked thanks. it. Yeah. He was 13th. La- last year was, I think, the first time he dropped out of the top 10 in a long time, right? Can he, can he win you back? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I think last year, you know, like we talked about, it was some of his worst play was in big moments, right? The turnovers were ridiculous last year, and he missed some plays and throws in the past game last year, let alone I didn't think he made as many plays off schedule. But – the way it looks right now and the way he's been playing here as of late, yeah, he certainly can get back into my top ten. I have so much respect for Dak Prescott, right? It's not always perfect, but toughness, leader, never blinks, doesn't let Jerry Jones or the Cowboys fan base and all that ever get him down. He just keeps staying the course, and that's why he's the perfect quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And that's why I, I root for him because – he does and handles himself the way an NFL quarterback should handle themselves. Yeah. Eat soup. That seems right. pretty cool. I was like, that that's a cool, cool thing to do, right? It is. I love soup. Not a lot of people. I'm like a not... soup every day kind You're of a soup guy. guy. I am. Every day? Every day. It seems I know. Excessive. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> do you eat a sandwich every day? I don't. Oh, no. you don't? Damn. What do you have no. for lunch every day? I don't Hard know. Hard-boiled eggs. Okay. Protein Ew. and flavor. Hard-boiled egg for lunch? It's very healthy. Damn. Amino acids I know. in there. Damn, yeah. I don't want to be that healthy. Soup is high in sodium. you got to watch out. you got to be careful on that. Yeah, I'm a low in sodium naturally guy, so it helps me out. Oh, that's interesting. It is. It is. Yeah. But I do. I'm not even joking. A soup a day. Soup a day. Yeah. For lunch? Most most of the time, right. That's like the one meal my wife doesn't make for me, so I have to make it, so it's already made, and I just have to heat it up. What do you do, <laughs> on a, in a pot, or do you yeah, put it in the like microwave? Yeah, like Whole Foods has those pre-made okay. like chicken and rice soup. Yep. They have a minestrone. They got a yeah. chicken tortilla. You know, so I dabble in all those. I kill them. I really do. Wow. Yeah, yeah chicken so, noodle, normal chicken noodle. If right. you haven't had it for lunch, maybe for dinner, or maybe in between lunch and dinner. Sometimes I do both. Wow. Sometimes I literally, my wife's like, what do you want? And I'm like, well, I've had two soups already, but I'll have a third like because I want to make it easier on her. Yeah. I don't care. It's fulfilling. I've known you for four years. I you just didn't know that? that? I, don't yeah, I know. I you're that. intrigued. Right? You're like, the hell with the rest of the podcast. I, I want like, to ask you more about this. We could talk about this for another five to ten minutes. <laughs> that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. <laughs> Pete says we have to go, though. Uh, so we have to. We sorry, have to Hyundai. We ruined that. that segment by talking <laughs> about my soup. Blame Ahmed. Uh, Giants have the number two overall pick, by the way, right yeah. now. If it were the season were to end right now. Yeah. So Pete's going to just slide that in every time. Oh, There's I know. Something positive. They're in the Caleb Williams, Drake May sweepstakes, as everybody is starting to say up here in New York. Teets and Watson been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Do you want to do do you want to do Sunday night football real quick? Is there anything else to say about it? Well, let's do it. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Jets lose to the Raiders. Final score, 16-12. Well done in the back. The graphic is up on the screen. Uh, now just we need Chris's thoughts. Well, it's one of those games where it felt like the Jets controlled the football game, right? And they kind of let the Raiders hang around, and there we are at a 9-9 football game, okay? And then Josh Jacobs breaks a big run. Oden O'Connell throws a jump ball to Michael Mayer for a touchdown, and that put it up 16-9 to in a game where, I don't know, you know, we didn't know if the Jets could go down and actually score a touchdown, which they couldn't. They moved the ball a lot throughout the night. Zach Wilson made some very good throws throughout the night. Brees Hall certainly had some moments of popping here and there. Garrett Wilson played well. But just every time the Jets get down to field goal range or, ooh, they're about to make a move to get in the red zone to get in the you know, touchdown range there, it's always a fuck-up. It's always some sort of problem, penalty, whatever it is. They get sacked, whatever, uh, and that put them behind the eight ball. This is one that, that's going to hurt them. Mm. They felt like they were the better team on the field tonight, at least in my opinion. You know, and again, I know I was sitting here talking to you for the last quarter or so, but I still was keeping an eye on things there. This, to me, feels like one that, that got away from them a little bit. Jets are 4-4 four and four now. Raiders are 4-5. and five. I feel like they're going to be right in that area, both of those teams. Yeah. For the next few weeks here. Yeah, they're I, in like the bubble of uh, playoff conversation. I'm amazed with the Raiders a little bit. I mean, to do this after Josh McDaniels get fired, you know, now they're going to be sitting here what at five and five. Yeah, right. Did they really need that big of a culture change there? I mean, it sounds they, like it. That's crazy. You know, I know. I don't like to say it. You know, I like Josh McDaniels a lot, uh, but I haven't heard one guy act like they were sorry to see Josh McDaniel leave yet. I mean, in fact, it almost is like the opposite. Like they were having a party as soon as he got fired. Yeah. Uh, Jets are four and five now. Yeah, Jets Raiders are four are and, five. and five. Yeah, right, right. Uh, NFL Jesus had not updated yet. That's I not know. on me. Well, That's I got it. I said Raiders five and five. Oh, I had updated it myself. And then I, I went was back. There. Oh, sorry. I was there. Um, yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll edit that out. And Robert Spillane is being talked to on the field right now by Melissa Stark. Wilson threw a bad interception. Late in the football game, as they were driving, they were down in field goal range. Spillane got it. That was really his big, you know, miss of the night. But overall, Zach Wilson did a lot of good things. I mean, led the team in rushing by far. Made a lot of big plays in the past game. Garrett Wilson got going. Um, you know, this, this one, to me, a little bit, too, is just like, you know, it's defensive struggle type of football game. I know the offense needs more, but, you know, Jets living up that touchdown drive to me is the difference in the football game. I just didn't think the Raiders would actually go down and punch one in the end zone on this Jets defense. That's yeah. where I was shocked. All right, Zach Wilson made a few plays, yeah, but he's no Joshua Dobbs. As we go into the don't look now category, teams that I don't know 
you look at their record, you look where they are right now, you go, don't look now, but they're they're streaking. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are one such team. They defeat the Saints 27-19. to Now they're 6-4. and They got the longest active win streak in the NFL with five straight wins, and they're at Denver versus Chicago, a bye, and then at Las Vegas after that. This role, I mean, we saw the Lions at minus 1,100 to win the division last week. I don't know. I'm starting to think the, the Vikings might have something to say about that. Josh Dobbs, he did it again. Uh, Drew, drug D out dragon. Oh, drugged out dragon. Drugged out dragon. Can we say that? Yeah, you just did. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know fully what. Drugged out dragon. That's fine. I mean, damn. Imagine Imagine a dragon on drugs. Holy crap. That'd be scary. This dragon says, what is the ceiling for the pastronaut? I like (laughs) that nickname. The pastronaut and the Vikings. How far can we go? I mean, what is going on here? I, 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 it's, it is unbelievable that. A guy who was on another team three weeks ago comes in here two weeks, gets thrown into the fire last week, and, I mean, today ran the offense like he had been there and been Kirk Cousins' backup for the last four yard, four years. I just Today was domination. I don't – 27-19, okay, that's all nice and well and, you know, some late-game heroics from the, from the New Orleans Saints and stats and all that. Game was 27-3 at one point, right? I mean, Dobbs was making – play after play with his feet and carving the Saints up in the pass game. I mean, him and TJ Hawkinson, it was like they couldn't be stopped today. So they had it all going. And this is where it's sad about the Vikings, and I feel for Kirk Cousins because we said this a few weeks ago when they were not even on the winning side of 500, right, where I went, they feel like they're better than last year. You know, I, I, I had said that. I said that to Florio. I think when they were sitting there like two and four, I was like, I think they're better than last year, which is the crazy thing, right? Now they're not turning the ball over. We're seeing the defense every week has a proper game plan, right? It's not a super talented defense, but nobody seems to just go, oh, we're going to move the ball up and down the field on Minnesota and do whatever we want. Brian Flores has certainly had the effect there. They have a guy or two that make a play every game, whether it's Daniil Hunter or or you know Byron uh, Byron Murphy, or it just it always seems like somebody shows up at the right time here. So I give them a lot of credit. Kevin yeah. O'Connell is a phenomenal head coach. I know, and and I last week I almost just basically annoyed Dan Campbell, the coach of the year, because yeah. I was like, if they can get to the playoffs, it's like you do that with the Lions, you yeah, right, automatically right. should get coach of the year. But if he continues to do this with quarterback after quarterback and your starter goes down Dobbs comes over you don't skip a beat I don't know I yeah think he's yeah, gonna, he's be, gonna be a threat if they end up getting to the playoffs somehow with in this formula with the way they are right where we went wait they're not even a great running football team so you know Kirk Cousins I know I said well it's over for Minnesota they the passing game and Kirk Cousins yeah. is what they are right so uh that that's where I would be be shocked but yeah, I, I think I was just amazed with the ease in which they moved the ball down the field on a solid Saints defense, right? A defense in the Saints that I think is ranked higher than it actually is. It's not as good as it's ranking, but I still was surprised by that. So can we can we show the dots on a yeah. seven-yard touchdown run? If you're watching on Peacock or YouTube here, Next Gen Stats uh, gives us the numbers on it. He ran 45 yards on this seven-yard scramble and score. And we saw this last game, too. Whenever he was in trouble, he would just get out of the pocket and either go with his legs.
legs or something would open up in the pass game. Maybe you'd get it to Hawkinson there. Uh, according to Next Gen Stats, Dobbs has gained 130 rushing yards over expected on scramble runs this season, more than double the next closest quarterback, who is Patrick Mahomes, who's wow. actually very good wow. at doing that. And yeah. so he is not only scrambling, but he is getting more yards than an average quarterback should get on these scrambles. He's sneakier, faster, faster than you think he is. Yeah. I think that's the first thing, right? He's bigger than you think he is. So there's a lot of plays where it's like, oh, people got a hand on him or they're about to drag him down and he gets out of it spins out of it, and all of a sudden he's running around the edge for a bunch of yards, right? I think he's got great feel in the pocket or when to get out of town or get out of Dodge that way. You know, Also, he's the type of guy that he's a good enough runner where you can sprinkle in a few quarterback design runs every game with him. That's what Arizona did too. So that's where he's going to be a handful as we go forward. They're going to be careful in that department because, of course, they don't have much of a, a quarterback situation with their injuries there. But, yeah, and then, you know, the things that I think ended his time in Arizona where I remember, you know, a few times I was like, yeah, Dobbs is good, but there's a few throws every game he misses where I go, oh, if he hit those, they might have won the game today, right? He ain't missing those the last two weeks. He's been on the money there. Um, so I think that's a little Kevin O'Connell and this talent they got around him and what they're doing there. But, yeah, special. And then, again, you know, we're back to New Orleans and yeah. we talk about that. Again, like I think the defense is a little overrated and the offense is simple. It's just too West Coast basic simple. And a guy like Brian Flores, I'm sure, was all over their rules and things they do today. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, they're in the NFC South. They're going to be in this. But I don't necessarily get excited when I talk yeah. about the New Orleans Saints. They're like a team like you've talked about. It's just like, what's their identity? What are they? What, Outs- what is Outside it? of Elvin Kamara, three-yard passes Exactly. Down the field that's that's what I mean. Right. And then, like, oh, we're just, we'll find a moment to where we'll throw a deep pass to Shahid or Chris Olave. Yeah. That's what it feels like. It's I do like, like Chris run Olave. Kam- oh, I know. He made some phenomenal plays Amazing. today, right? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it feels like it's short pass to Kamara, run to Kamara, short pass to Kamara. Maybe that'll develop into a Shahid bomb or an Olave bomb at some point right uh but it doesn't feel like it's sustainable and they might win the south but i don't know the saints just feel like a team that's kind of a if they get in the playoffs a one and done type of football team and we'll see where it goes Derek carr got banged up yeah that's right and james winston came in a big shot i guess it's not too too serious and they have a bye week i think coming up so shoulder head i think he got a little bit of both there james didn't look bad in the game though well james has got talent i mean that james was the scary i i was joking with florio who's a vikings fan i go this is the worst thing that happened to you because james don't give a damn He's in a fire. He, oh, well, we're down 27 to 3. He's like, you mean I can just throw it anywhere? Yeah. And that's what he likes. And of course, he made some phenomenal plays because of that. I've never seen a play like the one he threw to A.T. Perry, right? Basically, all, all the way across the field. All the way across the field. Yeah. A jump ball. He was like five yards from the left sideline. He set up and saw uh, A.T. Yeah, Perry. Yeah, A.T. Perry. It was A.T. Perry, excuse me. All the way in the right corner of the end zone, and he threw it, and Perry made a nice play and went up and got it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know who does have an identity, though? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, they do. Getting outgained by their opponents. It happened again. (laughs) It happened again. The Packers get 399 yards. The Steelers get 324, and yet they improve to 6-3. They are 6-0 in one-possession games this season. They're the only team in the NFL to be outgained in every single game this season. They've got, an ide- they've got a formula, they and do. it's working. Do not mess we with it. We let you get more yards than us, so yeah. you feel like you might beat us, yeah. and then we close it out at the end of the football game. Uh, I thought this was going to be the week that it ended. I did. I didn't think Green Bay would move the ball quite as well as they did on Pittsburgh throughout the day. 
whether it was run game and then, you know, Jordan Love kind of got in a groove in the second quarter and he, they made some plays in the pass game as the game went on. They did. Now, they just, you know, them is getting in the end zone. Uh, that, that's another team. They're another team that they make a lot of plays or throws in the middle of the field, but all of a sudden they get to the 20, 25, 30-yard line and everything stalls out and they have to kick field goals. That's one of the things that's been going on with them for, for a little while here. I think the thing the Steelers to look at, you know, we talked about Matt Canada being on the field. Yep. You know, second week in a row. I do think their offense looks a little different. I'm not going to say I sit here and go, oh, watch out for them, but, like, there is more consistency. You know, they're running the ball at a much better you know, yard per carry, everything there, which is much more impressive, and that's how the Steelers want to play. Ethan McNew, damn okay, Steelers' run game coming in hot. 200 yeah. yards on the ground. Pittsburgh's getting back to their old-school Steelers football, two-headed monster with Najee and Warren. It is the 10th game under Mike Tomlin that they have had 200 or more rushing yards. Now, is that just a versus the Packers thing, or... Is there something here? No, I think there's something here. I do. I, you know, again, 200 yards is a lot, but I, I think they've found a little bit of groove in running the ball. I do. Um, you know, ran the ball on a Tennessee Titans defense last week. That is pretty damn good defending the run as well, right? So I think there's something there to look at. Um, offensive line, it looks like it's a little more. We've, they're getting underneath the center a little bit more, letting Najee and Warren come downhill a little bit more. And then they're just sprinkling a few passes from Pickett. Our defense will make a few plays. You know, they're amazing at the Steelers of when they do drive the ball, which, you know, again, they could go three and out, three and out. But when they do drive, they always come away with points to a degree. Mm. I do feel like if they have four good drives in a game, two of them will end up being a touchdown. And the other thing that they're great at is, yeah, you drive the ball on them, you drive the ball on them, you drive the ball on them, and you don't ever fucking get in the end zone. You kick field goals all the time. That's what they do to everybody, right? You know, and I, I, I want to say they're, yeah, I mean, defensively they're 31st in football, but scoring defense, okay, they're 13th in football. Hmm. You know, so they're a pain in the ass once you start to get down there close. They don't let you in the end zone. How are they doing this? I know, it is. Throw Mike Tomlin's name in the coach of the year. Yeah, it, it's, it deserves to be in there, that's for sure. AFC North, the Bengals are in last place at 5-4 and four, with Cleveland at 6-3, and three, Pittsburgh at 6-3, and three, Baltimore at 7-3. and three. We do have one question on Christian Watson here. Yeah. He had seven targets but just two catches in this game. PFT Ghost says, is it just me or are the Packers not putting Watson in the same spots that made him so deadly the second half of the season last year? Agreed, and I don't – Watson to me does not look like – I, I, I question his health. Mm. I don't look like he's got – he looks like he has one less rocket up his ass compared to last year. He's lost a rocket. Well, and I know he pulled his hamstring early in the year, right, and he had to deal with that. So I, I do. I wonder if there's something going on there. He's certainly not as explosive, you know, and it does look like they feature Jaden Reed just about as much as anybody. Now, I think, you know, with Watson and Dobbs on the outside, you know, it's beneficial for the slot receiver – he gets some better looks that way. But, yeah, I, I think there's something there to Watson. I need to take a little deeper look, but it certainly does not look as fast or explosive as I remember him looking last year. You know what they got to do? The Packers got to move Matt LaFleur up to the booth because if it's not going well, you just switch it. You just switch you just it, and wherever they all are. changes just yeah, like that. Which right. is a good thing with the Steelers because if it starts going bad again, you just move Canada back up to the booth. You just switch it, and then your problems are solved. Well, you know, I think with Canada, what the thing you look at too is like, you know, sometimes with a guy like that who's maybe is a good leader, right, and knows how to talk to guys and yeah. kind of get the juices flowing and all that, maybe that's what they were missing. 
And maybe that little bond that he has with the players and the team and the fact that they got to look him in the face when they make mistakes or whatever else is just enough to you know, kind of give him a kick in the ass here to be a better you know, offensive unit altogether. we got the Colts in Frankfurt taking on the Patriots. 10-6, low-scoring affair. They didn't see a whole lot of offense no, they didn't. in Frankfurt. They did see, although I don't know if the fans were there when it happened, although they're probably used to it over there. Did you see that the roof? Yes. Oh, it's like an umbrella, and then it just closes? It's amazing. What? Why are they so much smarter than we are? I don't, they've been smarter than us for a long time. We're just, right. we're just not. We're just now. Lear- I'm just now learning that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that should be in every stadium. I know. It seems like it's so easy, right? It'd be like, why would you build this big structure when you could just have a fucking umbrella come out over the field? And then we would have no more rainouts in baseball. No, right? You get rid of all the no. rainouts. I know. I don't. I don't get it either. You know, we should steal that. Yeah, try to figure that out for me. All right. Yeah, we should take their technology and just steal it. Um, Peter, are you putting it in right now? Are you putting in the picture or something? Oh, okay. We might come back. It's a tease. If you're if you're watching on Peacock or YouTube, we'll get back to that. <laughs> uh, but the Colts go. They're five and five now. Surpasses their win total from all of last season, where they were four, twelve and one. They're just allowing you know nine and a half points per game during this two game win streak. But I think oh, and here's here it is. Here's the uh, umbrella. If you haven't seen this, it's awesome. It is so cool. It really is. It's just like no. It's look at that it's sunny a day. Just a day. Few we don't need it. If it gets a little cloudy, put the boom, roof. We can put it out there in the scoreboard. Just tuck it into the scoreboard. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a cool stadium. It really is. Cool atmosphere once again today, right? Yeah. Same old Patriots. Sucky ducky. So that so here I think, you know, we'll get to the Colts, yeah. right? But for the Patriots, like this was like unusual for me. It, for the first time in a while, I was like, man, they're kind of floundering. Like what's what what is that move? Like I get it, it was a bad interception at the end by Mac Jones, but it seemed very unbelichick like to make a move to put in your backup quarterback to win That's you the exactly game with two I minutes thought. left. Yeah. I just feel like um I don't know if it's, you know, Belichick's ego or whatever. It's just, you know, I, and I'm saying this in just some of the decisions that have been made over the last few years, whether it's making a special teams and a defensive coordinator, your offensive coordinator, right? That move was really odd to me. Like, when I was sitting there watching the game, I sh- sh- saw Zappy warming up, and I thought, well, he's having a catch with Mac Jones. They're not going to put in Billy Zappi right to. now, right? Yeah. He just he just staying warm in case he's got to go out there. And all of a sudden, he trotted out there, and I was like, what? That seems like the most un-Belichick thing ever. We're going to blame it on one guy now, and we're going to put the game into a guy that what we cut from the football team twice this year, and he wasn't even a backup for a few games, and now we're gonna you're going to ask him to come in the game and save the game? It just, like... Uh, like I kind of said in football night in America, Belichick's always been like, stay the course. We're on to Cincinnati. No, no, no. And now to make it all about Mac Jones. Listen, Mac Jones, that interception was fucking pitiful. I get it. That was horrible. He didn't really have that much pressure. He threw it like he was about to be hit. And it was like, no, the guy's still four yards from you. And he threw it off his back foot and threw the ball, what, 15 yards short to a wide open receiver? Yeah. I mean, he's going to score a touchdown. So, you know, I understand that, but it almost feels like, frustration got the best of Belichick and Billy O'Brien there. This was a game today that the Patriots could have had. They should have had. They really, this was there. They outplayed the Colts for the most part of the day. To me, the big part was whether it was Mac Jones, you know, interceptions like that, or the handful of times that Bailey's, I mean, not Bailey's happy, Gardner Minshew mm. made some incredible plays to extend drives and keep it going a little bit. That was really the difference in the football game when it all came down to it. You know, but yeah, even you know, even the 
the the the the, the the Patriots get down there close one time. They get into, like, maybe, the, I don't know, the seven, eight-yard line. They can't punch it in. They got to kick a field goal. You know, it was a day where it was there to be had, and it felt like they outplayed the Colts. It's just the Colts made the bigger plays and the bigger moments, and, you know, that put them on top up in, uh, out in Frankfurt. Dio Odangbo had three yeah. sacks. He just had three sacks in the first nine games this season. But I am Sammy Lambert's a little concerned. He goes, Shaq Leonard begs for more playing time. Yeah. He looks like a statue. He is a statue. Is that him or Gus Bradley's doing? Oh. EJ, EJ Speed looks like the better option. That huge contract and disgruntledness doesn't seem like he will be on the Colts much longer. Well, Oof. Pete will tell you this. Matt Casey is sitting here with us. It's, it's, I was talking about this at the end of the game in the NBC viewing room. right? Shaq Leonard's not the same guy. He's not the same guy. He is not as good as EJ Speed or Zaire Franklin. He is not. It's not even close. right? He's... 215 pounds, and he had a serious back injury last year, right? He's not as explosive, and he does not seem as physical or kamikaze as he once was, okay? And those other two guys are players. They are. And they're bigger than he is, they're faster than he is, and they're more physical than he is right now. So I know Darius Leonard last week came out in the press and said all these things. I don't understand why I'm not playing more, and I wish they would just tell me. You, I, come on. Don't don't start all that. You know what's going on. You're watching the games. Everybody else is watching the games. He is not as good as those two. So, yeah, hopefully this is just a one-year thing here with him, and he's just kind of getting his feet back underneath him here after a year of you know being injured and banged up. But I'm a little worried. You know, again, I always worry about that smaller type of guy who hits like he's like Ray Lewis, but it's like, no, you're really like a safety, and you're playing middle linebacker. And you worry about those kind of guys, their bodies wearing out. Usually they wear out in a hurry. And I do worry about that with uh, Shaq Leonard. Yeah. It worked today, whatever they did, but that was mainly you know, because of what the Patriots didn't do maybe on the offensive side. Yeah, but still, I, I think that's fair to say. Some, some credit to the Colts. One more game to talk about, uh, the Buccaneers. The last game in our Don't Look Now segment, because Don't Look Now, yeah. they're 4-5, and five, uh-huh. and no team gets into the playoffs better with a losing record than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> so Don't Look Now, they're just a half game back in the NFC South. That did snap a four-game losing streak. Baker Mayfield, his last three games now, six touchdowns, one interception. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm fading as we go into the into the sunset here. Uh, they, they just gave Tennessee problems on offense the entire game. The whole day, like, right? Did you ever – I mean, Levis never seemed like he was even remotely as close to comfortable as he was against Pittsburgh or, you know, the week before that when he threw the four touchdown passes. And nothing was easy. And he was. He had people around him. He was getting hit as he threw. He looked like he was confused by coverages and holding the ball a little too long or had a few throws where you're like, oh, that was dicey there. Like, there's a few people there. That could have been intercepted. You were lucky. Right? They, had, they, they never seemed in sync the whole day. And then, of course, couldn't get the run game going either. And that's what they would like to do with a little Le- Will, Will Levis at quarterback and lack of big-time you know, firepower at receiver. They need some semblance of a run game. Kind of an ugly football game that basically came down to Bucks defense played better and Baker made some big time throws in the in the pass game. I think that's all there is to it. You know? Really. I mean, Mike Evans was damn good, a little splash of Chris Godwin in there, and that's all it took. You know, Evans, big touchdown pass. Rashad White turned Rashad down the Jets White, one time. that big play down the sideline, yep. right? That was certainly huge, too. Um, that was the uh, little, like, dump off to the left. I don't know if it was a screen or if screen. he just – It was a screen, was a screen, right? Yeah, so no, that was good to see. Good to see. They can be dangerous. You know, when their defense is healthy in Tampa, 
they got some guys that can make some plays, whether it's Winfield, I like Carlton Davis, Vita Vea to me is the best player in their defense. When he's out there, they're a totally different defense. And then offensively, I don't love their offense, but Baker's got a big arm. Mike Evans is still dangerous. Chris Godwin's still damn good. And if they can run the ball a little with White, who's got some talent, yeah, they're going to be a pain in the ass here. I still think they're a team that can challenge to win the NFC South for sure. In fact, I see things about them that I like more than the leading New Orleans Saints a lot of the time. And more than Atlanta. And more than Atlanta as well. Now, you know, it's just, you know, they've hit these moments of being inept on offense. And that's that's what you hope to kind of get out of their system here as we go along. Uh, yeah, but really, they kind of won this game by more than 20-6. to six. You know, Mike Evans dropped a touchdown pass. They had to settle for a field goal after the ball hit him in the face in the end zone, and he dropped it. Uh, but Baker, Baker looked good today, looked comfortable. For Tennessee, it's their worst start since 2015. This yeah. is not going to be it for Tennessee this year. It's going to be the development year for Will Levis. That's, this is all in about next year. Figure him out. Right, Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears, back, right? You got weapon. him. They and, need weapons. They need weapons on offense. And formulate what you're going to do in free agency in the draft. And you start to get ready to that to frame the team around, around Will Levis. All right. We don't want to forget. Actually, maybe we do want to forget what happened on Thursday night. We normally do Thursday night in 60 seconds. We might not need 60 seconds this time. <laughs> the Bears did defeat the Panthers 16-13. to 13. What's your big takeaway from that game? Did you watch it? Oh, of course. I don't ever miss a standalone <laughs> football game ever. Yeah. Um, did you rewatch it though? <laughs> no, I, I did not rewatch it. I did not. You know, Bears run the football, manage the ball, manage the game on the right side with their rookie quarterback in Bajan. The one thing I like about with the Bears on defense is you know, they play a ton of man. They don't let you have anything easy. They know they don't have like the best pass rush in football, even though it's gotten better with Montez Sweat and company there. Right, so uh, they try to confuse you up front and at the line of scrimmage, and now they got Montez Sweat. They're capable of maybe collapsing the pocket a little better than, than they ever have been. Um, you know, good win for them. Good win for them. I think the story of the game, still for me, is that the number one pick does not look very number one pick ish, right? And I'm not sitting here trying to bag on anybody, right? But to me, the, the biggest part in a boring game where you're talking about is a quarterback that. You know, again, I know it was slick and kicked the ball out of his hands quick and all that, but misses way too many throws when the pockets are clean. There's too many wobblers. There's too many balls that hang in the air. And for as quick as releases are and how he can see the field, it's just the opposite on the down-the-field throws. He loses time in the pocket because he cannot stand in there and make throws when the pocket's collapsing. Just like, I don't know if you saw the end of the game, he had the an out route, I want to say it was to Hayden Hurst right before the fourth down. It might have been second down. And the pocket was collapsing. And, you know, because of his size, and now he has to, like, raise his arm to get it over the people, he's not enough able to get enough accuracy and mustard on the ball to get it there. And that's what I worry about him going forward. I still question, are they going to be a run and then run play action and boots off of him? Or are they going to spread it out and let him wheel and deal? That's the thing I'm, I'm not sure. They kind of dabble in both. I think they're trying to figure it out. And, again, I want to give him the benefit of I know he doesn't have great talent around him. I get that. It's just I'm going by the look test there, right? Good win for the Bears. I just go, you know, the number one pick does not even look in the same planet as the number two pick, right? I think that's the big thing. Not even the same yeah. planet. 
And I think that's what's a little scary. And the fact that he doesn't have talent around him is partly their own fault because he just looks over on the other sideline and he sees goes, DJ Moore. Like, we, wait, we had that. I know. We had that yeah, guy. I, I could have played it's with a that tough guy. Spot. That's the other tough spot when a team goes all in on you. You know, not only is the pressure you're the number one pick. Whoa, you traded all these assets for this guy, and then you go, yeah, you traded all these assets too, and now you want him to carry the team, and you give him nothing to help him out. And we'll see where they're going to go this year because they got no first and second round pick in this draft because the Bears got it. Where we're going to go is home after we talk about Monday Night Football, Broncos at Bills. Go. I think this could be interesting. I do. I mean, I'm going to take the Bills to win the football game. Uh I am. Um, you think the you think the Broncos are catching some momentum? I here. do. I think the Broncos have found their groove on the defensive side of the ball, and for a Bills offense that we know is not consistently dangerous on a week to week basis, I could see them slowing them down, and I could see Sean Payton and Russell Wilson having a good little game plan here to make this interesting. I'm going with the Bills to win the football game. Let okay. me see what I. But I picked a 24-20, so Ooh. I'm I'm expecting the Broncos to hang around and make this thing interesting. So the Bills are favored by seven, so you you have the Broncos have covering, the Broncos coming covering. off a bye. Yeah, coming off a bye. Sean Payton specials. They've shown they've been able to run the ball a little bit as, as a little bit better as of late. Russell's getting more comfortable. Yeah, I think they're going to make this a uh, little too uncomfortable for the Bills in this one. We've done it again. Yes, we did. We've reached the part of the podcast where usually Matt Casey gives us his laptop with breaking news, but apparently there's no. There's, he's heartbroken because his Jets the lost, Jets. Yeah, so he doesn't even care down. about the breaking news. He's like, shut down. up. Let's move on with the night. Yeah. <laughs> are, we still, are we still following this NFL thing? <laughs> All right, everybody. You know where to find us. Wednesday, we'll be back. Me and Ahmed Farid for the Treasure Hunters, a.k.a. What the Fuck Happened podcast. I appreciate everybody listening to Week 10 podcast recap. NFL season's unbelievable. It never ceases to, it never disappoints, right? On a week to week basis. It really doesn't. It's amazing. It's great theatrics. Keep sending in the questions, thoughts. You know it. I love to hear your thoughts. Challenge me, question me, or ask me to expand on anything. Send in some tweets on who you want me to watch on film on Wednesday. I'm going to get after that tomorrow. I usually listen to my group here and they point me in the right direction, but be good, homies. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Ahmed, thanks for everything. You the man. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.